Coach Mac Podcast, presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Look to the folks at Farm Bureau Health Plans when you need someone who understands the X's and O's of health care coverage. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. I'm Amy Wells. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Titans Amy and Coach Mac Podcast. I am joined by, you know, Coach Mac, my other half of this little podcast. Mac, how are you doing post-bye week? Doing good. Doing good. Got some rest. I, I, I hope everybody did involved in, in the Titans football. And then watched a lot of football and did a lot of prep for this week. And so, great. I'm really looking forward to getting back on the podcast circuit. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to be back. I miss the routine when it's gone. I'm very thrown off during bye weeks when everything's a little uh, off of our routine. I did not rest. I went to Chattanooga and worked some TSSAA Blue Cross Bowl games, the state championship football. There's nothing like high school football, especially state championships when everything's on the line. Man, you see some good games. No, no, no. And by the way, I, I watched your work because they televised it. You knew that, right? Well, I, I was working, so I assumed it was being broadcast It somewhere. was, and, and, and you and Josh Corey uh, did a marvelous job. You guys really did a good job, and I thought I thought that it. Uh, you said it went very well. Hosted there in Chattanooga, the games were very good. The games that you guys did were were really good, and so uh, no, I know you didn't get much rest, but you did something good. Well, I saw good football, and you know whether it's high school, college, or professional football. I mean, I don't really, I don't really care as long as there is a brown ball on the ground and they're throwing it and hitting each other. I'm pretty much good to go. No, and I'm impressed with high school football here in the state, and it has gotten markedly better. Even when I first came here, you know, in 2003, when I first came here from to now where it is, and as I said, I watched I, I watched the broadcast of some of those games because you, know, you and Josh were doing them, and it was it was really good, really really good. And then of course we had the Mr. Football thing here that was just outstanding so I'm all for anything that promotes that helps and is all about high school football all about it absolutely it's been a busy week around here we have the Tennessee Titans Mr. Football Awards at Nissan Stadium on Tuesday and it was I mean a fantastic event it's always a big deal you feel very cool when you're at the Tennessee Titans Mr. Football Awards like it feels elite somehow it feels exclusive and fancy so that was great and it's spirit week here, so there's all kinds of things that are happening to get ready for this Titans game on Sunday against the Jags. There are just all kinds of events for kids and for students to be able to come out to the game, get involved. Such a cool idea. I'm really excited to see how all of that comes together because there's been so much of a buzz about it. So very excited. But, Mac, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Football-related, of course, as the Titans get ready to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars for the second time this season. Got the win the first time in Week 5. Now we've got to play them again, this time on our turf at Nissan Stadium. As it sits right now, just so that everybody remembers, because a lot of people took the week off during the bye week. The Titans are 8-4, and four, leading the division still. Number 2 seed in the AFC were... Previously, the number three seed got a little help over the week when they weren't playing. Number two seed in the AFC. Mac, how beneficial is it to the Titans that they are sitting in a spot like that, being eight and four, being in the lead in their division, being in a good spot in the AFC, 
coming out of their bye and heading into this last stretch, despite having some frustrating games right before that bye week? Well, the thing that's important is they put themselves in position, by the way they played in that six-game stretch, to be in this position, which is, which is absolutely great. The last two weeks hadn't been great at all. And so what it really points out is the importance of each week-to-week stretch in the National Football League. And really, if you want to be honest, Amy, if you're thinking about it correctly, this is the way that you need to think about it after the bye when you're in the type of position we're in. You're not only getting ready for a five-week season, you're hopefully getting ready for five more after that. Because that's what you're looking for, and that's what you know. That's what the that's what the program's all about. That's what the process is all about. And so, going into this week, I think we've got some people back, you know, with their health. Not everybody back, and not everybody will be back all at one time. But the fact that we were able to get some people back, and I and I love to hear about the Spirit Week, and I and all of those things are really good. And so we need to jump off into this week when we play Jacksonville here this weekend. You and I both remember very well, because we've done some other shows about the Jaguars. That wasn't an easy game. That was not an easy game. I mean, they ran the football pretty well. You have to do is just take care of your business this week. But I think that they've got a little bit of a help from the open date as far as health-wise, which was a big, big thing for this team. As a head coach, what are you looking at in a team that's coming off of a couple days of rest? Beyond just the health and hoping to get some guys back on the field, what are you hoping to see in your players when they return? Well, the mentality is huge. The mentality is huge. And, and Mike Vrabel did something that I really liked because he brought them back and he immediately went to work on fundamentals again. He went right to work on the fundamentals. And, and the first practice that he had them out there on the, on the field on Monday, he didn't do anything about scheme game-wise. He went through some fundamentals. They got their Tuesday day off. And then this week at practice, they have had some really good speed practices because they have healthy bodies out there now. And that's been important because what he's been – having to do you know up to this point because of all the number of injuries he just hadn't been able to practice with a lot of speed because he doesn't have a lot of legs out there to practice with now he's got them back but the mentality is what you look at and the other thing that you do when you get back we always talked about we've talked about it on the titans amy coach mac podcast a lot of him getting the team back to center well now he needs to center them up again because this this ball game is really important because it'll set the stage for what we're able to do from here on out Now, there were a couple points of emphasis. There were some points of frustration, I guess you should say, coming off of a couple disappointing losses for the Titans, especially on offense. There were a few areas that really needed to be addressed, and one of those was turnovers, correct? Oh, it's huge. I mean, really, basically nine turnovers in two weeks, Amy, and and the Titans created no takeaways. You give yourselves very little chance to beat any NFL team in that type of a stretch because the the two real leveling factors in an NFL game are number of turnovers, number of takeaways, and then number of explosive plays made and number of explosive plays given up. The Titans have not had enough explosive plays. They've had too many turnovers, and they have not had any takeaways. So they've not given them a – it's not – it wasn't a mystery as to why those ball games were not successful. So you've got to eliminate all that. So does it fall 50-50 then on the offense and the defense to make those corrections on both things, actually? So with takeaways versus turnovers and also made explosive plays as opposed to allowed explosive plays, is it equal parts an offense problem and a defense problem? It's a team problem. 
and it falls on everybody because some of those turnovers were on special teams too. So, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's a whole team thing. It's a 100% thing, and that's, you know, what a team deal is. I mean, it's a 100% thing, so it has to be fixed. And, it, and they understand it because it has been demonstrated and worked on. And, look, these are professional athletes. They understand, and they know why they have not been successful. They also know how to correct it. You've been to a couple of days of practice this week. What have you seen that has made you feel like, okay, we're seeing some areas of improvement here? Okay, this looks more like the Tennessee Titans. Well, it's the number of people they have back. I mean, that the number of people and, and legitimate people and, and significant people that they have back, Amy. You stand there with me at practice and you see it. You know, the number of people they have back and all of a sudden seeing them back into the flow and then you, you start to say, okay, well, now, you know, I, I see and I remember – because, you know, what they've been trying to piece together, and what, which they did a, a tremendous job of, I think it finally reached a tipping point and caught up to them, you know, two ball games ago. But that's what you notice. You, you notice the number of people that are significant that are back out there on the field practicing at speed. The Titans are going to look still, with having some people back on the field, are going to look a lot different than they did when they took on the Jags in Week 5 in Jacksonville. That just is what it is. Biggest thing that everyone will notice is different is we're not going to have Derrick Henry, who had a great game against the Jacksonville Jags in week five. What other things about the Tennessee Titans are going to be a little bit different in this matchup as opposed to in week five? You got a different receiving group. You got a, you got a different receiving group. You're going to have the same you're going to have the same offensive line group, which is which is big. You got the same quarterback, which is a huge factor, and I mean that that helps a lot. On the defensive on the defensive side of the football, you're going to look a little bit different in the secondary, and then up front, depending on who who we get back, you know, you're because we've we've had to we've had to replace a lot of people up there. Now we're getting some people back. And not only will the Titans look different, Amy, the Jacksonville Jaguars look different too. When you just start looking through it, that is the form and the function of the National Football League schedule. I mean, it's a war of attrition. It truly is. And so you're going to face, and especially when you a division opponent, when you have as big a time lapse between the last times that you've played these people, you're going to be seeing some different people. The time lapse is an interesting thing because sometimes, just with the way the schedule falls, you'll see a division opponent very quickly. You'll play them, then maybe see a different team and then play them again. So you're basically seeing them twice in, I mean, really less than three weeks. Um do you prefer that, or do you prefer having the time in between meetings? I really prefer a little time in between meetings. I mean, and of course, this worked out very favorably for the Titans this year with Indianapolis. You know, we had just a little yep. stretch in between, and you're able to beat them twice within a pretty short period of time, which I think really helped. And now I think this thing with Jacksonville, we've played sandwich games before against division opponents, you know, since I've been here. And, and, and you've, you know, you've, you've witnessed them too. As you say, play them one week, play somebody else, and play them again the next week. That to me is really hard. That's really hard. And it's really harder, Amy, if you're the team that wins the first game. Yeah. It's really harder if you're the team that wins the first game. So I kind of like the way it is spread out. Someone who will have changed, you would assume, pretty substantially from week five to week 14 is Jags quarterback Trevor Lawrence. What have you seen in him and his progression throughout his rookie season? Because we kind of saw him at the beginning, and now we're seeing him at the end. He's still a work in progress. He really is. Because, I mean, 
when you're taking number one as a quarterback, you're usually going to a team that's not real good, a team that's rebuilding. And so I, he's still a work in progress. I still see the athleticism. I still see everything that he possessed at Clemson that made him the number one quarterback pick. He's going to be a franchise quarterback in this league. But to sit here and tell you and, and, the, and our listeners, we're always honest with our listeners, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not seeing a guy right now that has just morphed, you know, from a rookie quarterback to all of a sudden like, oh, my God, he's got it figured out. You know, I mean, the, and because he did not go to as good a football team. The rest of them that went, you know, before Mac Jones went, Mac Jones is in a different world because he went to a better football team. So his ability to advance it was is a lot quicker. But to me, Trevor Lawrence is still the guy that I would have picked number one because of all the traits that he has. In the first meeting between the two teams, one of the things that the Jags were able to do really well was run the football. They had 198 rushing yards on the Tennessee Titans. How big of a key is it going to be this week to stop them from being able to do that? Well, that's what they're going to do. I mean, they're going to look at that, and they, they may even take a, you know, a page out of Bill Belichick's notebook against Buffalo and just turn around and hand it because they, you're right, and they, I think they averaged over six yards a carry against us in that first game, which is, which is a pretty big number. And so, yeah, we're going to, the Titans are going to have to stop the run. And they're going, to get a, they're going to get an opportunity to because they're going to turn and hand it to their backs. That's just what they are going to do because they've lost some people at receiver too. And, and also, they're going to have to get ready for a called run game with the quarterback. The quarterback's our second leading rusher, so we've got to be able to defend that too. Defensively, where have you seen improvements within the Jacksonville Jaguars team? I think they're still a good rush team. I mean, they're still a good. They can put pressure. They're still they're they're, they're still a, 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 and Josh Allen's somebody that you've got to watch. You know, he's somebody that can that, that can bring a lot of pressure to you. The thing about the, their defense, Amy, I think it happens to a lot of defenses when they're you're playing on a football team that the score gets separated on you early. That, that puts your defense in a little bit of a problem area because now people start doing some different things to you that when your opposing offenses aren't feeling in conflict a lot. You really don't get to play quite what you had, had wanted to call during the game. But rushing the quarterback, they were a problem. I think they had three sacks against us the first game, right? Yep. And so that's we're going to have to protect against these people. And if their plan is to, which, which you and I both think it is, if their plan is to run the football, well, then their plan for us, they're going to figure now without Derrick Henry, they can stop the run. They're going to make us throw it. What are a couple other keys to victory for the Titans in this rematch? Well, I think you brought it up early in this discussion is the turnovers and the takeaways. That's going to be very, very big. And then the Titans really need to come out and start and establish some flow offensively this game early. And defensively, when they get third down opportunities against Jacksonville, they need to get them off the field. They don't need really, and, and, and it, this may sound a little bit harsh, but they need to choke the life out of these people early because that's what has to happen. Well, why would that sound harsh? Well, because it's true. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a coach all my life. I like it. Don't get sacked by the high cost of health care or choked out by the high cost of health care. Make Farm Bureau Health Plans your first line of protection. They've been protecting Tennessee since 1947. <laughs> that's really, really hardcore. But you know what else is hardcore? Going into the Hall of Fame. Wasn't that a good transition? Great transition. To, <laughs> to what it is I want to talk Let about Let me say next. this. Anybody that's in the Hall of Fame, in the National Football League Hall of Fame, is hardcore. Is hardcore. And, yeah. So, I think that was a fine transition. We're going to run with that because <laughs> the list of 26 
modern era semifinalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of 2022 was released uh, a couple days ago. And there are some interesting names on here that I would like to run by you. Coach sure, Mac. let's go. My favorite, and I think a lot of our listeners' favorites, is Eddie George. Absolutely, and Eddie Eddie's going to continue to come up because he's got the numbers. And uh, I look, I am pulling for number twenty-seven every time his name comes up. You've got to make the fifteen finalist, but he's made the semifinals, so it, it's starting a good step. Well, making the semifinals is a big deal. Sure, right? it's huge. It's huge. I mean, look, any of these guys are worthy. Let's just say that. To begin with, any of these people are worthy. And so that's why it gets down to such a finite number. But I'm pulling for Eddie, as you are and all Titans fans are. There are a lot of interesting names on this list. I'm just going to go through and read it. Eric Allen, Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, Rondé Barber, Anquan Bolden. See, let's stop with Anquan. Anquan's one of my guys. I drafted Anquan. One of the best draft picks I ever made in my life, if I say so myself. That guy, you could tell, was a true pro from the minute he stepped on the field as a rookie. And I'm talking about the practice field. And he's done nothing but, I mean, and the numbers that he's put up and the way that he plays. And, and I, I, I meant it as a huge compliment when I compared A.J. Brown when we drafted him to reminding me of Anquan Bolden. That's a lot to live up to, but Q was the dude. You want to talk about someone who's hardcore. Ooh. Anquan Bolden's hardcore. The, the, to the bone. I mean, he shattered his whole face and came back and still played. And Anquan was one of the toughest, physically toughest dudes I've ever been on the field with. I've coached eight Hall of Famers in my career, okay, and some defensive players, you know, starting with Mike Singletary, fairly tough dude. But <laughs> Anquan Bolden fit right in with that group. Man, all right, let's keep rolling down this list. Stop me if there's anyone else that intrigues you. Tony Baselli, Leroy Butler, Eddie George, who we talked about, Devin Hester, Tory Holt, Andre. Tory Holt, again, greatest show on turf. Yes. The guy was a magician. Yeah. Isaac Bruce just went in, you know, this year, and those two guys, those two guys were magicians, along with Marshall Falk. I mean, unstoppable. That's the reason they were called the greatest show on turf, because they were. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Golly, this list is so good. Andre Johnson, who was a Tennessee Titan for a second. Robert Mathis. Well, but he was he a Tennessee was. Titan for a second, but he was a Tennessee Titan problem, you know, for a long Forever. time when he was down there at the Texas. Another great player. Oh, my gosh. Great player. Robert Mathis, who would talk about a Tennessee Titans problem. Sam Mills, Richard Seymour, Steve Smith. Another tough dude. Really tough dude. Steve Tasker, Fred Taylor, Zach Thomas. Let's talk about Steve Tasker a minute. I mean, yeah. that's a special teams player. And, they're, you know, they're, 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 they're making room for special teamers now in the Hall of Fame, which I think is absolutely great. You know, for a long time, you know, kickers had a hard time getting in, you know, until Ray Guy and Jan Stenerud, you know, went in and kind of, and kind of broke that thing a little bit. But this guy was the ultimate teamer. Yeah, and – would love to have another Houston Oiler in the hall. That'd be great. Tasker? Yeah. He's a Buffalo Bill. But he was an Oiler for a year. For one year. Yeah. That a... still counts, Mac. Okay, we'll count it. Let's go. <laughs> Fred Taylor, Zach Thomas, Heinz Ward. Whew. Heinz Ward, man. Of course, right? Another really, really hardcore dude. <laughs> yeah. If we're talking hardcore, I think... Heinz Ward makes that list. Same with Demarcus Ware. 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky. Th- there's nobody on here that snuck on here. I well, promise yeah, you. Yeah, I'm waiting for you to be like, nope, not that guy. No, no. no, there's nobody that snuck onto this list. You don't sneak onto this list. You don't. I, I know you've been to the Hall of Fame, and, and it, it's so impressive to go. But none of those guys whose busts are in that room, which is pretty impressive when you walk in there, nobody snuck into that room. Ricky Waters, Reggie Wayne, Vince Wilfork, Patrick Willis, Darren Woodson, Bryant Young. That rounds out the list. No, that's pretty formidable. Yeah. So you know what that does? And, and again, I'm glad you went through all of them. It just shows you what a hard task it is to choose them. Yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, this is a real list of people and narrowing it down, an impossible task. Not impossible. It's done, but it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. I know some of the people very well that are on these committees and some that have been there for a long time. It's not easy. Yeah, definitely not easy. But, I mean, a fun problem to have, I guess. Well, I mean, and it's life-changing for these guys. It's life-changing for them and their families when they go into the Hall of Fame. When you can do an autograph session and sign HOF, whatever year you went in after your name, life-changing. I've had Hall of Famers tell me that. I believe it. I absolutely believe it. Mac, other things that are coming up just rapidly, which I almost can't believe it. The 2022 NFL Scouting Combine is going to be and we here before the, we, we know we, it. We missed a combine. We've skipped a combine because of COVID. We missed a combine because of COVID. Only combine be... I've ever skipped in my life. Really? Well, yeah, it's the only one I've ever missed. Wow. I've been to every one since I started in Indy. When did they start? What year? 87. 87. Yeah, and I was in the league in 86, and we had that one. Uh, that year was in Phoenix. So everyone that's ever been in Indianapolis, I've been to. And that was the first time I've we skipped because everybody had to skip because COVID made everybody skip. Right. But so I'm I'm really excited. It's going to be back and it's going to be back at Indy this year, but maybe not so much anymore. But talk about this year, 2022. I'm looking forward to getting back there. I know you are too. I know Ashley is too. Mike Keith is too. We do a lot of good work there. We do a lot of good work at Lucas Oil Stadium. It's going to be March 1st through 7th. It's so good to be back there. There's so much to watch all the time. Like The Combine is just my favorite thing because there's so much going on and there's so much potential. But especially as the college football season is really wrapping up, you know, all the bowl games have been assigned now. We know who's going to be in the playoffs. It's the whole, the whole rigmarole. Very exciting to start thinking about some of these guys that are going to end up either going to the draft, declaring for the draft, and are going to be doing those workouts. As a coach, when do you start kind of honing in more on that crop of guys that will be at the Combine? Well, I'm glad you narrowed it down to a coach because there's a distinction. Mm -hmm. The the, the scouting department started last year. Right. A coach, you don't really hone in until your season's over with. As a coach, you, you you have the list presented to you. You don't go out and find them. The scouting department goes out and finds them. The coaches get lists presented to them. So as a coach, you don't start even touching it or sniffing it until the season's over. Excited for all of this to be coming around the corner, though. I mean, of course, we still have the Titans season. We know we're still in the middle of this. But there's a lot of good stuff on the horizon. And, Mac, our next guest is someone who is very involved in the Hall of Fame thing and in the Combine thing and in – the scouting of the players and the draft and all of that. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Gosling. Coach Mack, 
You've been talking about this guest for weeks. We've been so fired up about having Rick Goslin with us. A little bit about Rick. He has covered the National Football League for almost 50 years. He spent time in Kansas City before joining the Dallas Morning News. Rick is known for a great many things, but mainly his draft analysis and his mock drafts. That was really his calling card for a while. Rick Goslin is a Hall of Fame voter who is currently a contributor for Sports Illustrated as well as Talk of Fame Network. Rick, we are so excited to have you here. Thank you for taking some time to chat with us. It is always my pleasure to visit with anyone from Tennessee, the great state of Tennessee. Well, I want to start off with a very quick origin story for you. You were a sports writer for so long. How did you get started in that business? Oh, I knew I was going to be a sports writer when I was in third grade. I was always writing and, and doing sports-related stories and little books and pamphlets uh, growing up in Detroit on the Tigers and the Lions and Red Wings and uh, I knew I was going to be a writer for way back when. Uh, I guess I'm one of the few that can say when I was in third grade, I knew what I was going to do in life. And that doesn't surprise me, Goose, in the, as far as knowing you. Now, I'm not going to call you Rick. I've never known you as Rick, guys, and you're Goose. And, uh, and, so, <laughs> and so the seeing what you've accomplished in your career and – you you've bypassed me a number of years in the National Football League, and that's and that's hard to do. I think you and Dick LeBeau may have more time in this league than I do, and that's just about <laughs> it. The thing the thing about the thing about Goose though that I want all of our listeners to understand is 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 I I became uh, familiar with Goose you know uh, in a in a very in a very cool way because when I, he knew all the coaches he he not only knew all the coaches in the league you know when when he was when he was writing for the Dallas Morning News. He knew all the owners, too. He knew everybody, and everybody knew him. And the most important thing, Amy, about Rick Goslin in the National Football League, everybody trusted him. And that's unusual. That's unusual. Uh, it was unusual back then, and it's even more unusual today. And so you knew once you had gotten into Rick Goslin's circle that you were in a, in a circle of some pretty prominent people, but people that had trust in one another. And it was, it was so much fun to be able to interact in those days. And, Goose, I go clear back to the time. I mean, you've, you've covered every team that I've ever worked for. I go back to the times that, that I really cherished the most was at the Combine back in the day. When really it was you and Jeff Legwald that basically were there for the whole time, and you guys would stand in the hallways, you know, of the old dome where we would we would have it and visit with everybody as they came out because there was no NFL Network then. Nobody really knew what was going on in there, but you guys would stay there the whole time. I can still remember you standing out there in the snow, looking like two snowmen in the front yard <laughs> with snow all over your heads outside of the hol- Holiday Inn there, trying to get people and trying to get really the story of what was going on. But the th- cool thing about it was everyone trusted you and they gave you information that they knew that you would use in the correct way so going back to those days is something that i will always cherish and i miss you when you're not there goose yeah i i go back to my my first combine was 1992 the morning news had moved me off the cowboys beat to become the and the general nfl columnist so i had to cover every team except the cowboys so i had to you know go to all the different games anything that didn't involve the cowboys so my, Dave, my sports editor, Dave Smith, said, I want you to grade drafts. And I said, well, if I'm going to grade drafts, I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. So I started going to the combine and researching all the players and, and, and meeting all the NFL people and trying to develop a network of sources. In 1992, I think there were eight media members at the combine. And last year, there were, what, 1,400 media yeah. members. Yeah. And we had, no, we had nobody from the NFL in PR to help us. 
I remember one year, that was 1994, Jerome Bettis. We had Jerome Bettis go in and get players for us. This guy was going to be the sixth. He was going to be the sixth pick of the draft, and he'd come out tomorrow. Who do you guys need? And he'd go in and pull out two or three guys. That's it was so great. But that's the, there was no – it was all luck and happenstance seeing – you know, players uh, on the way, you know, in from their workouts or seeing coaches on their way out to dinner or at, at midnight walking through a blizzard back to the hotel with with guys like Coach Mack, who never had time for us during the day. He said, yeah, I'll see you at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you're assigned to just start uh, evaluating drafts and the upcoming draft. I mean, right. when you're given that assignment, do you think, uh, what? I mean, how do you even gain the experience or the knowledge or the understanding? It has to be leaning on those people around you, correct? Well, you start out, you get the combine list. That's 334 names. Mm -hmm. And then I would take the, the players that played in the Senior Bowl and the Hula Bowl and the East-West Shrine game. And there's probably another 60, 70 players. So right away, I, I would research over 400 players before I even went to the combine. So I knew the names. And then I start talking to coaches about who, who do they like and who stands out, who do you interview? And you start figuring out who the good players are and who the guys that are going to slide are. I remember the, the year that Tony Romo came out. I was the only person to ask for Tony Romo, and I was one of two people that interviewed him. Really? The whole combine. He was, he, was, he was from Eastern Illinois. He was yes. there just brought in to throw. And there are a lot of guys. I was the only media member they talked to. If, if they brought a player out, and there was nobody there, one of the league people would say, hey, can you go come ask him a couple questions? And I would, because I had researched all the players, and I could ask an intelligent question with, with virtually everybody there. You know what, Goose, when you say that there were only eight media members assigned, I can remember, of course, I've been going to Combine since it started. I think 87 was the first year. My first year in the league was 86. So I've been to every Combine that they've ever had right. there in Indy. And, so, and, and you're 100% right, and really the first media people I ever remember you 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 are the first one that I ever remember being there, but actually being there and being engaged. And I can remember you asking me about players, and I'm going, you know what, this guy's done some research on some of these guys. And it I, you could always count on you, Goose. You would come up with a guy that you would ask me, uh, Coach Mack, what do you think about uh, – what do you think about this Tillman kid down at uh, down, down at Arizona State? You would always have some guy that was that. Well, Tony Romo's a great example, and you're right. I mean, he ended up being a free agent and you know uh, coming into the league. But you you got to that depth of it, and I think that morphed into the fact once you started putting out your mock draft because you had talked to so many people and had done so much research on your part. How many years in a row, Goose, did you have the top? mock draft in the league you go ahead and brag about it and because if you don't i'm gonna i'm gonna give a big number i researched <laughs> 20 drafts for the as the nfl columnist and i had the best the top 100 board for 10 straight years and i also i had the best mock draft three times in the 20 years and in that time no one else had it more than once so the the, the accuracy was pretty good but what i did and you know you know, I, I would call, I would start with the scouts. I had a handful of scouts I dealt with, the, the Western scout, the East scout, and trying to get a start, head start on the, on the draft board. And then I'd move up to the personnel directors, the general managers, the assistant coaches, the head coaches, I even talked to some agents, some college coaches. When I went through a board, sometimes the, the call would take an hour and a half. I'd start a quarterback, with, with, let's say with a head coach or GM, and I'd go through my top 15 quarterbacks. 
And they said, well, you got this guy too high or this guy too low. And after you talk about 20 GMs, you know, 20 head coach, you get a pretty good figure out how the list is going to play out. And, that, and, that's, and people were always honest with me because a lot of them figured out that they could get something from me in addition to them giving something to me. So they always took my calls for that reason. You know, and the, the best example was the last Patriots Super Bowl when the MVP of the game was Julian Edelman, who was a, 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 he'd been played a quarterback at Kent State, and he was too small to be a quarterback in the NFL. And I remember uh, I was talking to Bill Belichick the, the night of the Kent State workout, and I asked him if he heard what the kid from Kent State ran. And he said, uh, no. And I said, he ran a good time, good three cone. So he sent Scott O'Brien out there wow. just to see if he could catch a punt. And this guy becomes one of the great receivers in franchise history. And the MVP, in the morning, the MVP press conference the day after the Super Bowl, Sal Palantonio asked Belichick, what did you see in Julian Edelman that, that made you think he could be a, a, a big-time receiver in this league? And Belichick said, well, I got to give Rick Gosselin credit for that one. He put us on Edelman. See, Goose, that kind of those kind of stories you won't get anywhere but the Titans Amy Coach Mac podcast. That to me, though, really seriously, in all the years that I've known you, and when I started this podcast off by saying the f- one thing that you had developed that not many have anymore, very few if any, is the total trust of people in the league. Because I can remember spending a long time on the phone with you when you had finally gotten down to me, you know, saying, "Hey, Mac, what do you think about you know this or this position? What is your thoughts on this?" And when I was a head coach, what do you? Get guys kind of thinking here but you have to have total trust and to me just the story that you tell you know about see you had that type of relationship that Belichick would take what you had said and say hey my top guy Scott O'Brien go look at this kid at Kent State go take a look at and to me that is a fascinating thing about your career Goose and I I think it was it's a it's a beautiful thing it really is my last year doing it I, I I was talking to every people in every NFL team evaluators, decision makers at every NFL team. I, I had a list of 140 people I talked to uh, during the course of that draft. Wow. And, and I have never I have never outed anybody that I talked to. The only person that ever outed himself was Belichick, talking about Adelman. I have never told anybody who I talked to. I've never dropped any names with any team. I've never tipped people off, you know, what other people have said. I just did the, the research on it. So that's how good the information was. I was the only guy talking to every team. And I think you've seen in the last several months, I've done th- these draft reviews. And in fact, I had one on Adrian Peterson today. I love them. I, I, oh. I went back and, and I took what scouts and talent evaluators were saying before the draft. That's really cool. It's easy, to, it's easy in hindsight to look back at a Peyton Manning or a, a, a Ben Roethlisberger or a Troy Palomalo and say, you know, this guy's Hall of Famer. But there was no unanimous decision. There were chinks on, on in the armor of all these particular players. And those comments uh, showed up in the in the draft reviews. It shows you what guys have overcome. You, you know, know what? Adrian Peterson and Paul yes. Mala both had, it were injury risks. Yeah, the great thing about that is I read every one of them, and so does Amy. The thing that I really liked was that you never you, – you would put, you know, GM, former GM – 
uh, uh, top talent evaluator, head coach, but you would never put you never put names in those, which goes along with what your mo was. And right. uh, I, I got a real kick out of the one that you did on Anquan Bolin. You said, "Mac, I want you to read this, and then guess which one was your quote way back when." Everyone in America <laughs> knew which one was Coach Mac's quote. And then the other one was on Palomalu. You know, you had asked, you said, "Coach Mac, please guess which one is yours." And I and I took it to Amy. I said, "Amy, read this, and which one of these did I say a hundred years ago?" She you went this one. Yep. <laughs> Some people out themselves, I think. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just so cool, though, Goose. I mean, it really, really, it really, really is. Talk to Amy and I a little bit now about, uh, about what you're doing now, which I think is fascinating, too. Well, um, myself and two other Hall of Fame voters have the Talk of Fame Network, and we write a lot of historically related uh, stories, and, and you know, the, these draft reviews are, are, are part of them. But we address current issues and, and past players, and all three of us run Hall of Fame committees. And today, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm on the senior committee, and I'm researching the, the senior candidates uh, that are on the slate. We're going we're gonna to vote for a senior candidate on Tuesday, and we're also going to vote for a coaching candidate on Tuesday. And I'm doing the homework on, on a lot of these players, the the Ken Riley's and the Eddie Matters and the Maxi Bonds and trying to get up to speed on the discussion, figure out who the best candidate is. It, you know, if people are following the Hall of Fame lately, they understand that there are more seniors coming in, and it's due to your work. And I think it's fascinating when you start really – and you and I have talked about this before you know, at length. You start going back and, and, and just taking just statistics – to the region and the time they were playing, there are some really still great players out there, right, Goose? It's, it, it is a painful process because there are so many worthy candidates. I've, I've got a list. I, I put together a list this offseason of the players that I thought deserved Hall of Fame discussion. They had careers worthy of discussion. I got 108 names in that list, and we get to bring out one a year. Of the 108, 94 have never been discussed as Hall of Fame finalists. 58 are all decade players. 53 of those have never been discussed. I got two players on the 50th anniversary team, never been discussed. Wow. One player in the 100th anniversary team, never been discussed. Eight five-time first-team All-Pros. How impressive is that? Calvin Johnson and Charles Woodson were only three-time first-team All-Pros. Five times, that, that's a Hall of Fame player. I got, I got nine NFL MVPs, five NFL Defensive Players of the Year, five Super Bowl MVPs, all in the senior pool. And we wow. get to bring out one a year. Wow. It's not right. I, I've been pushed. I said, let's bring out three a year for the next 10 years. Let, let's put a dent in this, you know, in this log jam. But I, well, we're not making a whole lot of progress. And my fear is. How do you even decide at that point with such a deep pool of people? What we do is they sent us a ballot of about 80, 80 or 90 names in the spring. And the nine members on the senior committee vote that our top 15. And then they take the top 15 vote getters from that group of nine. And those are the 15 finalists. I generally get about 10 of the, of, of the 15 we're going to discuss. Maxie Vaughn, who went to nine Pro Bowls in the 1960s, he's, he shows up every year. And Eddie Metter, you know, one of the three all decades safe just in the 1960s. You know, he's, he's going every year. Kenny Riley, second all-time among pure cornerbacks in interceptions with 65. Only Night Train Lane with 68 has had more. And Ken Riley has never been discussed as a Hall of Fame finalist. How do you intercept 65 passes in this league <laughs> and your name never come up for the Hall of Fame? 
Well, and you know what? They are fortunate, all of them, either whether they're still with us or, or, or not, that you are there to be their champion. And, and to me, that, that the fiber and the fabric of this league is so important, and you are very important to this league, Goose. I mean, I'm just letting you know that. And, look, let me just say this. Of all the nice things I said about you, and how many, how many combines were we together? 20? We were 20. 20. 20? Yeah, plenty. Yeah, 20. And, and you and your, and your two Hall of Fame buddies now, I mean, I'm going to get, put their names out there, you know, it's Clark Judge. He used to be with CBS. Ron Borges with the Boston Globe. Really, really legitimate dudes, okay? Every – we would pick a day at the Combine when they were – everybody was still there and, and with Jeff Legwald, and we would go to a, to a deli for breakfast at 6 in the morning. First people to crack the door at Shapiro's, right? Remember? Now, how many years did we do that, Goose? Tell me. You tell me. Tw- tw- 20 years. Okay, 20, 20 years with you four and Coach Mack, and you four have yet to go into your pocket to pay for breakfast. <laughs> have yet. I'm just putting that out there on this podcast because everybody's listening to how, how accomplished you are, but there are some flaws in all of you. And one thing is, is you never, ever paid for one breakfast. True or not true? Just tell the story. Amy, why do you think we kept inviting him to breakfast? <laughs> This I'm on his side, Mac. I'm sorry, but I mean, I, I stand with Goose on this one. I, kn- I, I, I knew I, I knew you would. <laughs> I don't even know. We're gonna let you go before you get shaken down for any more money on this podcast. <laughs> Rick Gosling, Goose, thank you so much for taking some time to hang out with us today. This has been an absolute blast. Hey, it's been my pleasure. And when I'm off, Amy, ask Coach Mac about the time he shut up Shapiro's and the cook got fired. Oh, no. All right, now we have a follow-up episode. Goose, Goose, to Goose tried to order. He said, I have, I like, I like the oatmeal. No oatmeal. Why? Chef got fired. Okay, fine. What have you got? Not much. Thanks, Goose. such a cool conversation to be able to have you and goose go way way back the goose is an icon in the national football league i mean an icon and i, I say that with all due respect i mean he he's a very good friend very dear friend for you know 30 plus years but this guy is as well respected as anybody in the nfl circles i mean when we used to go to the combine goose would had goose would have dinner he would not have dinner with us because i'd ask him because he was having dinners with owners general managers I mean, this was the, Goose is the guy. He is the dude, and, and, and he's so well-respected and so well-earned, and the Hall of Fame is something that's always been in his wheelhouse, you know, and now with the senior committee. I mean, Rick Goslin, uh, seriously, is a Hall of Fame sports writer and a Hall of Fame person uh, involved with the National Football League, that, so widely respected. And, and I can remember a lot of years when you know, I, was at, I was at the Combine early, before they had anybody in there, uh, Goose would stand and wait until everybody came out to ask him questions about players, ask him questions about and – and, and, you know, he was, he was there until the last minute. Everybody else had, had gone out of there when the quarterbacks had worked out or when somebody – you know. But Rick Goslin was always right there, and the guy that was right there with him was a guy that Tennessee people knows, Jeff Legwald. They were right there together the whole time, and the whole time those guys were there together, true professionals. Awesome, awesome. And some of the stories that he was telling about, names that everybody knows, Tony Romo, Julian Edelman, that he had kind of a a beat on them before anybody else did. Crazy. Players, 
in this league have no idea sometimes how much people advocate for them that general managers and coaches trust. Yeah. General managers and coaches trust. You always trusted what Goose said because you knew he had done the work. You always trusted what he said because he if if he trusted you and you trusted him, then there was a that was a that was a very very symbiotic relationship because both of you were doing professional work. There was no gossip with Goose. Goose was all business. And and so he did help some of those people, but the reason he did is because when when you talked to Goose about somebody and he said, "Hey, He's done it to me. Mac, you need to take a look at this kid. Just take a look at this kid. Tell me what you think. You know, and, and I would do it. Sometimes I'd say, Goose, you're right. I kind of like, or Goose, I don't like this guy. Then, he'd, then his question would always be, well, tell me why. Tell me why. Not saying you're wrong. Just tell me why so I can learn. That's why he is who he is. Awesome. And it was so good of him to take some time to chat with us a little bit. Yeah, just another another awesome conversation that we get to have on this show. We have pretty good people on this show. We have some pretty legit people on this show, yes. Yeah. One final bit of housekeeping before we wrap this show. Last week, we had mentioned that we were going to be giving away some bobbleheads. and You know how much giving away bobbleheads to our subscribers excites me a lot. I know it does. I know it really excites you. I've been and, asking you, uh, I said, when are we giving away more bobbleheads? I know, I know, and you really, I was trying to hold on to them for the holiday season a little bit, because I feel like it's a really great gift. Like, give your friends the gift of bobbleheads. How can you beat it? I mean, you can't, I don't think. And so I was trying, I was kind of hoarding them a little bit. I didn't want to, like, just give them all up too soon. But now it's time to really just let it loose. And so thank you to everybody who participated in our giveaway on Instagram, the people who have won those, will be hearing from us, but a little Christmas treat. We are did not just give away one set of Titans Amy and Coach Mac bobbleheads. We gave away two. So you've got a double chance of winning, which think, is very exciting. I think it's outstanding. I love it. That's what the Christmas season's all about. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, it's a lot better to give than what? Keep bobbleheads? Yeah, it's a lot better to give bobbleheads away than keep bobbleheads. I think that's what they say about Christmas. I think that is what they say. So you're right in the Christmas spirit. Yeah, I mean, the spirit of giving. I give and I give. Do you really do? Yeah, and I'm, ab- I'm about to give up on this podcast because we have <laughs> officially run out of things to talk about. Mac, do you have anything else to say before the Titans take on no, the No, that's it. I'm just really glad to be back in the flow of things, as you said. That feels good to be back in the flow doing this. Uh, I, really, I really like the responses and the response that we get from this podcast from a lot of people. I'm out a lot, you know, quite a bit, and uh, so are you. And, yeah. and Ashley Farrell, our producer, she and I were out to dinner here just a few, day, few days ago, and people talk about the podcast really nice. So that's a good thing. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, people. Thank you, everybody who listens, all million of you. We really appreciate it. And, yeah, Mac is a man about town. Ash is a man about town. Woman about town. I'm at home a lot. So, anyway, with at that. At least we know where to find you. Yeah, at my house, on the couch all the time. <laughs> So anyway, keep sharing this podcast, like, subscribe, leave us comments. We love to hear from you. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Titans Amy and Mac. We love to hang out and chat with you guys. So please, please, please continue to send us your messages and thoughts and feelings and whatever other comments you have. For Amy Wells and Coach Mac, this has been the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast. <laughs>